Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 59. I'm honored this week to have on the podcast one of the designers that helped create the 270 space on Quantum of the Seas, Tim McGill. Tim and his team worked very hard at making 270 into a truly innovative space that will wow guests, and already everything we've seen from it looks amazing. Tim sat down with me to discuss how he and his team took up this challenge and give us all a sneak peek behind the scenes of how 270 was created. Here we go. It's my pleasure to bring on Tim McGill, who's a partner at 5 Plus Design. And Tim, welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Uh, Thank you. Tim, we brought you on here because... You know, your design work for Quantum of the Seas, uh, in, specifically in the 270 realm, is really interesting. And I, I really want to spend some time here to talk about kind of the, the process, the design process, because I think that when we, what we've seen so far has been really impressive. And, you know, I guess the first thing we want to understand from, from your end of things is, you know, how does a company like 5 Plus Design get into a project like Quantum of the Seas? What's the, I know you did some work with the uh, celebrity uh, brand in the Solstice-class ships. Is that kind of where this all began and this led you down this road? Actually, um, we started uh, our engagement with Royal Caribbean on the initial ideas for Genesis, which uh, resulted in Oasis of the Seas and Allure of the Seas. And uh, what what happened was uh, Royal Caribbean held a series of sort of think tank panel workshops across the country for all the different aspects of the ship design. So they held one for retail, one for gaming, one for spa, you know, one for uh, dining, etc. And what they did at that time was they reached out to basically the land-based um, designers of those elements and uh, asked uh, people to come together and talk about what the state-of-the-art was for, you know, uh, state-of-the-art resorts, uh, gaming resorts, what's happened, for instance. And the, the panels were very interesting. I, I happened to be uh, invited to the one for gaming. And uh, since we had done a lot of work for Speed Win um, on Bellagio and the Wind casinos and things, and the panelists were, you know, people like from Gaming Magazine and the operations guy from the Palm Hotel and people who do exhibit design. So they were wide-ranging. But it was through that panel discussion that we got to know Royal Caribbean. And then they kept asking me to come back for more, um, basically, idea workshops. Um, one with just the entertainment guy, then one with, you know, a leader of each of the panels, uh, and then one with the architects who were working on the ship. And so sort of slowly over a matter of like three or four months, we got to know Royal Caribbean through these, um, you know, these discussions about the design they were doing for, for Oasis of the Seas. And then finally, when it came down to um, designing the uh, ship, uh, uh, the, um, the Solstice series ships for Celebrity, they asked us to actually engage in doing the, the design work for that project. So after uh, working on that for about uh, three or four years, they, I think they launched uh, five ships. Um, when it came time to look at, uh, at Quantum, the Quantum series, um, we were asked to be at the very beginning when they were first coming up with the, the, the initial concepts for the ship itself. Interesting. 
So let me ask you this, because your firm does a lot of design, not just for cruise ships, but, you know, for a variety of different places. I mean, you mentioned casinos and resorts, and that's obviously a big thing. From a, you know, and on a basic standpoint, how is it different to design for a cruise ship versus, you know, a hotel or a building on land, essentially? Well, there's probably more similarities than differences. Um, most of our work is actually large mixed-use projects. These are projects that have you know, big shopping centers with high-rise office, residential, um, hotels, and things like that, all integrated into one project. And they're, they're based, they're, they're designed at a kind of an urban planning level. Mm-hmm. Um, but the process in, in designing those types of projects is usually a collaboration amongst many architects, engineers, there's the politicians, there are the, 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 the developer client, tenants, etc. So there's a lot of different constituencies that go into making those types of projects. And the same is for a cruise ship. The cruise ship is almost like a, a microcosm of uh, a, a city. In other words, it has all of the same elements in terms of you know, uh, hospitality, uh, recreation, um, you know, entertainment, food and beverage, etc. So the similarities are actually quite, uh, you know, uh, in parallel. What's different, of course, on a cruise ship is everything is, you know, really shrunk down to a much tighter uh, level. You know, you're really worried about or concerned about the weight and volume of the entire facility. And then, of course, the thing, the entire facility has to, you know, move at sea. And so, you know, the ship will, uh, you know, have to turn and it will list and things like that. So when you're designing for a cruise ship, the, there are lots of technical requirements that are much more exacting and precise than you do for, you know, land-based projects. I mean, Absolutely. a good example is, uh, you know, if you're designing lighting for a cruise ship, and it, you have a pendant light or a chandelier, it has to be on a rigid um, support and a cruise ship because the ship will lean a little bit as it turns. And if that chandelier in the room leans, then it gives people a sense of motion that you don't necessarily want them to experience. So you sort of make everything much more stable. And, you know, even the light bulbs themselves in the ship, there's all this subtle vibration that would cause a regular light bulb to unscrew from its socket. In a ship, you have to have everything locked in so that those factors don't, um, you know, uh, undermine essentially the, the lighting of the design. That's really interesting. Um, you know, your work on 270, i got to say, and 270 for our listeners who are unaware, is the one of the new public multi-purpose areas on Quantum of the Seas. It's absolutely beautiful. The, the renderings we've seen look amazing. And when you were designing it, what kind of a look were you going for? Was there an inspiration you were drawing from? Was this Royal Caribbean's direction they gave you? What was kind of your uh, impetus behind the overall look for 270? Well, I think the look is a result, of fact, in fact, of the main concept of the space, and that is a kind of a core concept of the ship in general. Uh, these ships are really intended to be the next level of evolution of design for Royal Caribbean. And um, with that next evolution, they were really looking for the spaces to do more than just have a single uh, use or function. They, they, they thought that these ships might 
crews for longer. In other words, that people would be on board for long, for longer. They wanted to have the ability to be in, in, in multiple sort of weather conditions, so there are more indoor and outdoor opportunities for these ships. So we'd come up with this concept of uh, what we call transformational space. And what that means is that the space can use technology to actually transform from you know one function to another, and you see that in a lot of the the, the ship's main features. 270 is probably the most, um, you know, uh, I think it's probably one of the most dramatic uh, spaces from the, the the standpoint that it transforms from a daytime use to a nighttime use. And so during the daytime, it's idea is to be kind of a, a, a main gathering place, a, a sort of a lounge and a, a place where people can hang out um, and, and get the great sea view, hence the name 270, it's 270 degree panoramic view. So the space is really a lot about um, creating an indoor-outdoor connection with uh, what you're seeing outside and bringing that in. So there's a kind of a casual sense of landscape and uh, organic um, arrangement of the spaces into a series of nested terraces that form these really interesting um, uh, meeting places where a family or you know several couples can get together, hang out, talk, you know, attend a lecture, um, maybe a small performance, whatever, within the space. Um, and then at night, of course, it transforms into an entertainment venue, and we use a lot of technology to make that that occur. Absolutely. Is the space, you know, from a really basic perspective, was the space that we're looking that we now call 270? Was this a was this an area on the ship that Royal Caribbean just said, "Look, there's a block of space here. We got to do something with it." You know, what do you guys think? Or did they already have the idea of the you know the the floor to ceiling glass windows? And they wanted you to kind of design what it's actually going to look like, you know, the rest of the room. Where, where was the, you know, how did that work down, break down exactly? Well, what happened was, is on most of uh, Royal Caribbean ships, there are usually three main uh, entertainment spaces. There's the big formal uh, theater, um, and then on Freedom Series and also on Oasis, they had uh, what they called Studio B, which was a uh, an ice skating venue that could also have a show in it. And then uh, on Oasis, they had the, the amphitheater of the seas, which was at, the, at the, uh, you know, the very stern of the ship. It was a beautiful venue that overlooked the, the, uh, you know, the fantail of the ship. Um, and they didn't want to repeat the ice skating rink venue uh, on Quantum. They wanted to come up with something new. So 270 was an answer to that, and then it was sort of an indoor version of the amphitheater of the seas that you saw in Oasis. However, um, the, the challenge there was creating a space that could be really nicely habitable. Uh, Richard Fain, who's the chairman of Royal Caribbean, he, he hates a, a kind of an empty amphitheater that is waiting for something to happen. He mm. likes all spaces to be fully functional at all times. So uh, that's how we kind of came up with the concept for 270. Interesting. What were the kind of challenges you faced when designing 270? Probably the most significant one is a kind of a technical one. That the, the space is directly above the... Uh, the power plant of the of the ship, these 
two, they call them asthma pods. They're like jet engines with uh, propellers on them, and they rotate 360 degrees in order to give the ship its excellent maneuverability. Um, those things uh, put out about 10,000 kilowatts of power um, to move, you know, this amazing uh, vessel. So to uh, to absorb the vibration and the sound and all of that, um, and make an environment that uh, can be um, quiet for performance or relaxing for just you know hanging out. There's a lot of uh, technology that went into that space to to make that occur. And then also it's a kind of a long span space. It it, it's, it gives you a, a clear view across the beam of the ship. And above this, there's another, I think, 13, 14 decks of the most spectacular staterooms that you can imagine, these penthouses. So we really have a, a kind of a big open volume space that below has a huge, you know, power plant and above has the weight of the stateroom. So the yard uh, who designed the ship is really... It's amazing what they've been able to do technically with the, the, the structure of the ship in order to make this happen. Absolutely. It's a, it's a credit to you and your team again because of the wonder of this. This space looks absolutely amazing. And uh, as we wrap things up here, Tim, let me ask you this. I know this is kind of like choosing your favorite kid here, but is there a favorite part of 270 from a design perspective that you particularly gravitate towards, you think you're particularly proud of? Well, I think what we're proud of is the idea of this immersive uh, entertainment um, uh, potential that is in that space. Um, I think one of the most interesting things about how the transformation will happen is is the reveal itself, and we think that that can happen while you know while the um, the passengers or guests are in the space. The um, the way it works is that there are a series of these electronic blinds that come down over the windows. There are 3D projectors that can project onto those blinds, and they can project a real-time video of the view that is uh, that you're looking out through the space. So as they're projecting on these blinds as they come down, the blinds will look like that they're semi-transparent, almost like a kind of a sheer, and you're still seeing the sea view beyond. But then by using green screen technology and other sort of Hollywood special effects, they can make a, you know, a Spanish galleon appear in the view or the New York skyline or, you know, any sort of fantastical, you know, environment that, 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 that you can imagine. So the transformation will be sort of subtle but, you know, kind of dramatic and really engaging and evocative. Also, there is, you know, these actors' galleries, there's kind of a backstage that is directly below the space and above the space. There are lots of elevators, lifts, and sort of secret ways of getting in and out of the space. So actors can kind of appear before you and give each and every guest a, kind of a different experience within that space as the, as the um, uh, entertainment progressive, progresses. And then we also have another layer of these computer uh, robot arm mounted uh, LCD panels that creates, you know, you got a third layer to this entertainment. So all of these things coming together will give you, you know, sort of one climax after another to create, a, a, you know, I think what will be one of the most memorable entertainment experiences on sea or land. 
Absolutely, Tim. I think 270 is going to prove to be one of those places you just, it's not only be must-see, it's be must-see constantly throughout the day and throughout the cruise, really. It's not just, to your point earlier, that this isn't just a spot that has, you know, two shows during your cruise and that's it. This is somewhere you're going to want to go over and over and over again, and that's, again, that that's what makes this ship so unique, so... A, a great and, job. Know, Royal Caribbean has a has a, a team of, of of entertainment producers and people who come up with original programming that's just amazing. So I think people will just be come away feeling that they've uh, you know entered a new world and there's so much more possible in terms of experience on board these ships. Tim, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. All right, pleasure. Now, as always, it's time to answer your questions, emails, Facebook messages, and everything else you've sent to me. I love this part of the show. Thank you again so much for everybody for being a part of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. You know, a common question we get before we get to the emails is, Matt, how can I help the podcast? I don't necessarily have a cruise coming up, but I want to be able to do a little give back something. And the best thing I can do is, first of all, say thank you very much. I always appreciate hearing that others want to help the podcast. And the best thing you can do, honestly and truly, is spread the word. And the best way to spread the word, even if you don't have friends that are cruising, is to go to a place like iTunes and review the podcast. Because you see, the way that iTunes works is the more people that review the podcast, give it five-star rating and positive comments, it helps spread the word. Basically, iTunes looks and says, wow, people are talking about this podcast, hence it must be doing well. And thus, it helps expand its reach and becomes more global and visible to other people so that's the best way because of course we want to share in all this what makes cruising on royal caribbean so much fun is the fact that we all get it right we all enjoy it and having more people here to share in that experience is what it's all about hearing different stories perspectives tips and answering questions this is all about helpful so hopefully if you have a chance to help out and and have a couple minutes go over to itunes send a review and i would definitely appreciate that so with that being said, let's get to those emails. The first one, of course, is from our very good friend, Christopher Percy. And Christopher writes, Hi, Matt. I'm a technology geek and love reading all about the amazing tech on Quantum of the Seas. Smart check-in is definitely a terrific enhancement and will certainly improve the check-in process. Tracking your luggage is also a welcome addition as well. RFID wow bands is a big step forward, and I'll be the first in line to get one. Smart concierge combined with Royal IQ will also be a great pre-cruise and cruise enhancement when on board and takes cruising to another level. The Smart Connect is long overdue and combined with the bells and whistles, the new tech will provide a huge enhancement to the cruise experience. And Bionic Bar, well, what will they think of next? Just amazing. Royal Caribbean is really going to wow us all. I'm even more excited than when I was before hearing all this stuff on Quantum. Thank you, as always, Christopher. And, you know, I'm like you. Before the reveal, I was, I don't know what I was expecting, but after hearing it, I was like, wow, this is really, really impressive. Now, maybe because I'm also a tech geek, but when you look at everything, the, the breadth of innovations coming to this ship, it's very, very impressive. And that's why I really can't wait to get on board and, and see what this is all about, because everything so far has been really exciting me. And I think this is, I think Quantum of the Seas really is going to be a very, very impressive ship. Maybe impressive in different ways compared to the Oasis class, but on that kind of a level of a really, I mean, Royal Caribbean uses it all the time, but it's it's the best way to describe it, that wow feeling, and I think they've got it. So looking forward to that. We have another email. It's from Carl, and Carl writes, I really enjoyed your episode on St. Martin. While I listened to it, I had an upcoming cruise on another line, mumble, Disney fantasy mumble, so I listened intently to make sure I was ready. Unfortunately, Tropical Storm Cristobal had other plans, and we went to San Juan instead of St. Martin. Now I'm back from my cruise, and I see your latest episode on San Juan. I wish you had done this episode a few weeks ago instead, as I would have been better prepared. In any case, we still enjoyed San Juan. We visited one of the forts, apparently the wrong one based on your comments, but it seemed great to us, and walked around the city a bit. Oh well, I guess I'll have to have 
Albi had no choice but to book another cruise to visit San Juan so we can explore more of this great port. And since we still haven't managed to visit St. Martin, I'll have to book another cruise to finally visit that island also. In a few weeks, my wife and I will be sailing on Explorer the Seas to Bermuda. As you may recall, you helped us pick this cruise back in episode number 14. It will be our first cruise on Royal Caribbean, and we're looking forward to experiencing a new cruise line. We've also booked a big family cruise to Norway on Serenade of the Seas for next summer. It seems that listening to your podcast has an effect on my future cruise booking decisions. Carl, great to hear that we are positively influencing you and getting you to book some more cruises. I think you've got two really nice cruises booked, in fact. You know, the first thing also I want to mention about the San Juan and the wrong fort, of course, it's not true. The Both forts are, are quite nice. I just think that going to El Moro makes more sense given its location. And if you're trying to tour the city, it pretty much makes sense. But if you see one, you've basically seen both of them. There's not a huge difference between either of them. But I don't think it went wrong. It's just how I would tour. But, you know, to each their own, right? And the two cruises you've got, of course, we might remember the Explorer cruise that you booked Bermuda. I think you're going to have a great time on that. What a beautiful island Bermuda is. And having that overnight experience there, it's really special. And I think you're really going to enjoy that. That Norway cruise on Serenade of the Seas, that's really interesting. And, you know, I always want to, I'm always cognizant of the fact of how we can improve this podcast. So one of them is, I, and I freely admit this, I don't have a lot of experience cruising to Europe or basically anywhere outside the United States. So a cruise to Europe, and in this case, a cruise to Norway, is certainly a an experience I think you're going to really enjoy based on everything I've ever heard about it. And maybe, you know, Carl, if you're interested, we can have you on and other listeners who are going to Europe to, to share what European cruises are like and kind of give a taste of those. Because, of course, Royal Caribbean is more than just cruises of the Caribbean. They grew all around the world, as we're very much aware. And we want to make sure this podcast is very much reflective of that as well. So, Carl, I'm looking forward to getting more European content on here. And I'm hoping that you're going to have a great cruise, not only on your cruise Bermuda, but also next summer on Serenade. Thanks for the email. Always appreciate hearing from all of you. Next up, we have an email from Jeff Poole of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I took my first cruise in April with my best friend on the Oasis of the Seas. We went to Jamaica, Labadee, and Mexico. I had a great time, and now I'm in love with cruising. Once I got home, my wife has seen the photos, and she wanted to try cruising. Twelve hours after I got home, I booked our next cruise in May of 2015 back on the Oasis of the Seas. Now that I signed up for Crown and Anchor Society and I received gold status, I have a couple questions. Number one, what do I get as a gold member? Number two, does my wife get it also since she is with me? I wish you knew your blog and podcast before my trip. You were very knowledgeable in cr- about cruising, and I listen every week. Keep up the good work, and maybe we could cruise together sometime. Jeff, I'm totally down with the cruising together thing. Man, we got to do that, right? I should tell my wife. You know that guy, Jeff? Oh, you don't? Well, he listens to the podcast, and he said we should cruise together, so I'm going to book that Oasis of the Seas cruise. Is that okay? And then I'll just, you know, I, I hope she'll say okay. I'll assume she said okay. You know what? We'll just have the conversation here. I'll book it right now. What was she going to wait? <laughs> Uh, if only, but I don't want to be doing this podcast from the backseat of my car because I'll be sleeping in the garage for the next six months. I need to be a good husband. So let me answer your questions now that I made that all about myself. So gold member. So the, you actually did a great thing by signing up because obviously the sooner you sign up, the sooner you get those crewing those points and moving up in status. So getting, becoming gold member gets you a couple of basic advantages. Now gold level is essentially anyone who's taken any cruise with Royal Caribbean before versus people who've never taken Royal Caribbean cruises so they don't have any status at Crown and Anchor. You do a couple things. Number one, when you do get to the port that you're in, embarking at, so on Oasis of the Seas, you'll be going to Port Everglades. When you get there, people that are Crown and Anchor members get a special line for themselves. Now, obviously, people that are like Platinum and Sweets, and they get a special, special line, but still, you'll be recognized above just people who have never cruised the Royal Caribbean before. In addition, you'll be able to get some discounts on board. So 
on Oasis, they used to give out coupon books. They don't do that anymore. Now it's going to happen. You're going to get a piece of paper in your stateroom when you get there on your first day, and it's going to have a list of all the discounts you get. The discounts get better, of course, as you move up in Crown and Anchor's status, but it's still pretty good. I use about, I'd say about three or four of them at Cruise on average. They're discounts like buy one, get one free drink, uh, a discount on the internet package, a free, or it's not a free photo. I think it's a discount on, on a photo that you want to get a discount on maybe one of the specialty restaurants, a free thing of ice cream or Starbucks, those kinds of things. And look, it's free money. Why not, right? It's gonna make, I was going to buy those things anyway. Now I get a discount on them. And those that's probably one of the best things that you get as a cruiser. And honestly, for a gold member, for someone who just took one cruise, it's a pretty good deal when you first get started. In addition, you're going to be invited to a welcome back event on the ship. And this is a cool event because for two reasons. Number one, they're going to give you free booze, which isn't bad. Free alcohol. It's always nice to get something for free, right? Especially alcohol on board. And it's also an opportunity for you to meet the crew. The captain is usually there. They get to talk, tell you a little bit more about not only what the ship is, but maybe some other itineraries going on. Basically, what's coming up with Royal Caribbean. And they again, they're trying to get your business. So it's a pretty cool experience. Now, there are other benefits you get as a Crown & Anchor a member, you'll have the opportunity to book certain cruises before other people get them. In fact, I'll put a link in our show notes to a couple of articles I've written on Crown and Anchor status and also to Royal Caribbean's website. They have a whole breakdown. It's a nice little chart to show you what you get at the gold level. Again, most of the stuff I don't think most people take advantage of, but any obviously, as I said before, it gets better as your status goes on, but it's a, it's a, it's a process. Before you know it, you'll be a platinum. I promise you it goes very, very quickly, especially if you book a lot of cruises like you already are doing right now. Now, your other question about, does your wife get the same status as you? Yes. In fact, anybody at your address gets all the status you accrue. So let's say, I have no idea if you have kids, Jeff, but let's say, I, I'm sure you're a very young man. You know, you and your wife are brand new newlyweds, 19 years old, life in front of you, regardless if you have kids or not. Let's say you have kids in 10 years from now, okay? And you've taken 20 cruises by then. Just throwing that out there. Wishful thinking, right? And you get to 20 cruises and you have your first kid. The good news is your kid actually accrues all your points and status that you've already made. So when your kid turns 18, they're going to be like platinum plus and like, hey, is this, isn't this what everybody does? So you know, make sure your kids thank you for the status. So everyone at your address, including your wife, yes, will move up with you. My wife, when she, I've cruised with Royal Caribbean well before she had, and so she had zero status. But with me, she always got to move up to the same levels as I am. It's a great perk about the Crown and Anchor Society. So hopefully that answers your question, Jeff. And of course, if you have any more, feel free to email us right back. And our last email from today is from Chad here, good friend of ours. We had Chad on the podcast, of course. And Chad writes, wanted to say hello, and that I'm getting more and more excited for my upcoming Navigator of the Seas cruise in just a week and a half. Wow. Can't believe it's finally cruise time. I have two questions for you. First, we plan on visiting the Chocolateria you mentioned in the Cozumel Cruise Review, as well as your favorite restaurant, which I'm not going to butcher the name of. But once we finish there, I know my wife will want to go to the beach. Where is the best beach to go to from there that we can take a taxi to? Great question, Chad. Uh, so... First of all, if you want to get the best beach, you know, I, it's debatable. The One of the better beaches, I think, is Paradise Beach. It's probably one of the more well-known beaches. Just tell any taxi driver you want to go to Paradise Beach. It's a great beach there. What's great about Paradise Beach, it's actually run by a bunch of expats, former Americans. They have a lot of great toys in the water, good service. The prices there are well, average. It's probably not the cheapest you're going to find in Mexico, but it's good prices, good experience. It's especially good for kids. If you've got kids, Chad, I'm not sure if you do. It's the perfect beach for you. Now, if you're looking for more of a really just you want sand, you want ocean and not a whole lot else. Well, there's another great beach for you also in Cozumel that I've been to before called Playa Palancar. And I'll put I'll post links in this week's show notes to both Playa Palancar and Paradise Beach. And Playa Palancar is basically it's a 
very inexpensive beach to go to. They do have service there, and it's not the most beautiful beach I've ever been to, but you don't have a lot of the stuff, you don't have a lot of the toys and, and a lot of the excitement there, so it actually makes for a more serene experience, if that's what you're interested in. If you just want kind of, the, you want to hear the ocean breaking and not a whole lot more, this might be a better beach for you, but again, you can take a look at the review and decide for yourself. Now, Chad has another question about it. Second, on our last cruise on Liberty of the Seas, there was a Sorrento's Pizza on board that I had pizza with, and these amazing long skinny sandwiches that change daily. I have looked, but I don't see any Sorrento's on board Navigator. Is there one, and if not, is there a place to get these type of sandwiches, if you even know the sandwich I'm referring to? Thanks for all the help and the great podcast. P.S. I'll be sure to eat some fresh food for you when we get to our Sabor reservation. Can't wait. Dude, I'm very jealous. You're going to Sabor. So I know exactly what you're talking about. On Navigator of the Seas, it's at the Cafe Promenade. Same basic concept. There's pizza, there's sandwiches, and they change every day to different things. And I love the... It's actually the vegetarian sandwich. It's like a pesto mozzarella sandwich. Oh, so good. I, every time we walk by, and we're, my wife's like, I just want to get a cup of water. I'm like, okay, we'll stop. And then I see the sandwich, and I'm like, oh, I got to get one. I got to get one. It's just, it's awesome. I grab two, one for the road, one for the back for the room. It's just, it's just great. So yeah, that's the place you're going to get. They still have pizza and they still have those sandwiches that change every day. You have to go see what's available on any given day. And that's a fun place. Always a great place to stop by. And you got to make sure you're walking by Cafe Promenade. And as you might imagine, Cafe Promenade is on the Royal Promenade on Navigator to the Sea. So hopefully that helps you out there, Chad. Have a great time. And uh, man, I wish I was going with you, dude. So, and of course... Since for the rest of us that won't be going on cruises this week, I want to hear from you on your experiences gone Royal Caribbean, whether you have questions or thoughts or comments, always things going on. Don't I know I love answering questions, don't get me wrong. But if you've got questions or thoughts, I'd love to also answer them here. So you can also email me, Matt M-A-T-T at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>